Welcome to the Unqualified Sports Show for August 29th, 2020. I am your host, Nate Snitko, and with me as always is my partner in crime, Forrest James. Hello. So we start today with the Boston Bruins in their most recent game. Um, they got absolutely stomped by the Tampa Bay Lightning by a final score of 7-1. to one. Yeah, that was that was not pretty. Yeah, uh, so, uh, the, you know, the first game was very close that they won. The second game was very close, but they lost. This one was not close at all, and it was not close early. Uh, it was 2 nothing before the end of the first period, basically with 59 seconds left. Uh, excuse me, 6.59 left in the first period. They made it 2-0. Um, 2.14 into the second, it was 3-0. The Bruins got their lone goal. Uh, from Brad Marchand uh, with 15.04 left in the second uh, to make it 3-1. to one. But from there, it was pretty much Katie bar the door. And I have to be honest with you, I don't know what was going on in that one. Um, their defense was not especially good, but Halak has generally been pretty good for them, and he was, he was bad in this one. Um, unfortunately... They did sit Halak and bring in, um, uh, goodness me. Yeah, what is that back? Uh, Alex Kill, uh, no, um, Dan Vladar, excuse me, who they just signed to an extension uh, to come in. Uh, Vladar had been the goalie for the second game of the series, which we'll talk about, but uh, he brought it in. He was brought in when it was up 4-1 to one to sit Halak down and, and hopefully... Uh, you know, let them recover, but uh, nope, did not happen. Uh, they basically continued to, you know, play pretty poorly on defense and not really be able to get much going on offense. Uh, this was maybe the worst playoff game I think I've ever seen them play. Which is, you know, generally this is a Bruins team that does pretty well. I don't know what it was specifically about this game where they, they had so many issues. Um, you know, you would have expected that Halak would have been nice and fresh, but I'll be honest with you, given the trouble that Vladar had, I don't think that it was a Halak problem. I think it was a defensive problem. I think their defense was playing exceptionally poorly, and I'm hoping that somebody hasn't been hiding an injury this whole time that's finally popped up. Oh, that would be the worst. That's pretty much all I can think of. It's one of those games that really makes you miss Tuca. Yeah, I mean, you know, we now know that Tuka Rask had a, a family issue that he went to go uh, and, and deal with. But, yeah, they're definitely missing, you know, one of the most reliable postseason goalies that they've ever had. So I, I don't really know what to say other than, you know, hopefully this won't happen to them again. Uh, you know, between the two of them, the goalies for... The, uh, the Bruins posted less than an 800 save percentage, Oof. Um, which is pretty bad. Yeah, uh, Halak had a 750% save percentage. Dan Vladar had exactly an 800 save percentage. So I, now a lot of that was on the power play. So a lot of it may have been that they were taking bad penalties. And if there's one team in the league you do not want to be giving, you know, power plays to, it's the team that is probably the most powerful offensive team assembled in the modern era uh, in the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. But it was it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, and hopefully, you know, they're, we record on Saturdays. They are playing as we speak. 
hopefully they will be back up on the horse and be able to prevent themselves from falling down into a 3-1 deficit. Because uh, this team should have bigger aspirations than a quick second-round exit. As previously mentioned, Halak did not play in Game 2. Uh, it was an unusual situation in that it was the lone back-to-back uh, that the Bruins have had to face so far this uh, this postseason. Um, they, uh, Dan, Ca- excuse me, Bruce Cassidy uh, decided to go with Dan Vladar between the pipes for Game Two, and I have to say, like he played pretty well. But this was, uh, you know, a, this was basically his first full NHL game uh, to be able to, to to play. Now Halak is. A guy who's 35, I can understand why they would give him, want to give him that extra time to recuperate. But, man, i got to be honest with you. Given that you are facing a team that has such a high-powered offense, I would definitely have uh, have had uh, had, had Halak in there to, uh, to face him. Last bit of news that I have for you is that the NHL paused games for two days, uh, basically after the shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin of Jacob Blake, which will be a running theme throughout this episode today. Um, Official word, the NHL was proposed poning games didn't come down until about an hour before the first game of the night on Thursday. Uh, But apparently even the players knew that even though the official announcement had not come, that they were unlikely to be continuing play. This is a situation where the NBA had basically shut down the previous night with the Milwaukee Bucks refusing to come out onto the floor for Game Five of their series against Orlando uh, or against the Orlando Magic. Um, You know, the the NBA, for its part, decided to to just straight up postpone for two days, which, to be honest with you, is probably the right thing to do, considering that the other you know that other leagues had already decided to postpone play uh they did not try to do what baseball tried to do which is to coordinate a you know uh, a walk-off which i think a lot of people felt was disingenuous in baseball's part uh so i have to say that of the leagues i think that the nhl did handle this about as well as as you could have expected unlike the nba there was no real idea that there would ever be a true cessation in uh in games okay so you know, this is a situation where I, you know, I don't think anybody expected the NHL to be to be closing down entirely, as was theoretically possible in the NBA. Obviously, the demographics of the people who play hockey are overwhelmingly white, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there was less of an issue, or there was less of a, an impetus there, I think, than there would have been uh, in another sport. It's definitely overwhelmingly European, right? Hockey is actually mostly overwhelmingly Canadian. Um, well, yeah, they but I have like... a pretty good leavening of European <laughs> prospects. But... I like every other American probably puts Canada in the category of Europe. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, with, with Canada somehow being, in, I mean, I guess they are the part foreign of the, country. Co- uh, the, uh, the British Commonwealth. So yeah. sure. We'll go with that. No, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this, except that, of course, games are resuming as we speak with the, uh, you know, there were no games on Thursday night. There were no games on Friday night. Right now, um, the games are resuming with the Tampa Bay Lightning at Boston Bruins. And I have to say, so far, spoiler alert, not going well. Hopefully we'll have better news to talk about with them next week. 
Let's move on to the Boston Celtics in their most recent game. Uh, the Boston Celtics swept Philly out of the playoffs with a 110-106 victory. Uh, this would have been on Monday night. Uh, Kemba Walker had a huge game with 32 points, including four three-point shots and four assists. Jason Tatum also was uh, above 25. He had 28 points. Jalen Brown had 16 points and was defensively very, very good. This was a basically ex the perfect way for them to be able to end this series against Philly. Uh, they were by far the better offensive team. They were defensively very good. You know, obviously, um, they allowed Philly to to score occasionally in the post. Joel Embiid was a reckless bit inside, but other than that, they managed to basically prevent them from gaining any kind of real foothold. Uh, obviously this was a much closer fought game than game two was where they came away with like a, a 20 point plus victory. But yeah, in this particular case, uh, you know, they were able to come through and this was, you know, them having to fight through some adversity. They had foul trouble early. Daniel Tice picked up a shooting foul 30 seconds into the game and had to be replaced. They basically had to, were, had to keep their best center out of the game for most of it, um, mostly because they, they knew they were going to need him down the stretch. Um, so has been a trend yeah, in the they last played couple exceptionally games. well. What's that? It's been a trend in the last couple games that they get into some real bad foul trouble. Really, I, I can't on. really blame that for them for that in this one. Joel Embiid is one of those players that is so physical that he's pretty much just constantly throwing himself into you and you are going to end up getting fouls. They knew that was going to be a problem going in. I think the thing that I found the most surprising about this is that they ended up going with Enos Cantor instead of Rob Williams uh, as the replacement. It turned out to be a very, very good thing for them to do because even though Cantor isn't a particularly good defender, I think he's a much better perimeter defender than Rob Williams is right now. And I think that's, you know, if you looked at their defensive scheme, their idea was basically to prevent the, the passes from being able to make to the interior to uh, to Joel Embiid in the first place. And it seemed to work really well for them. I mean, Cantor over the last couple of games of the series racked up, I think, in excess of eight rebounds per game. So they did really, really well against basically the best of the modern centers. Uh, and I have to be honest with you, you know, one of the things that I was concerned about going into this series is that Philly was able to go so big. Now, obviously... That ended up being much less of an issue with Ben Simmons out, but they still, you know, were able to put both Tobias Harris and Al Horford on the floor with Joel Embiid at the same time. You would have thought that that would have been a problem for the Celtics, but no, the Celtics were able to basically just clog up anything on the interior, and the Sixers did not have the external shooting to be able to make it work. Hmm. You, you think this was, have... I think, a situation where they they drastically outcoached the other team and it costs Brett Brown his job. He was basically fired the day after the game. Um, it took them a little bit longer than that to make the official announcement, but it was pretty clear right after the game that he was not going to be invited back for the following season. You, you think he would have came up with some kind of plan against that? I mean, it was pretty apparent what they were, what the Celtics were I doing guess, to I, them. Yeah, I got the impression if you watch him along the sidelines, it really did feel like that he had asked them to do a number of things that they were not necessarily comfortable doing. And so they just didn't. And so, you know, I, I think that more than anything was a sign that he needed to go because he was clearly showing signs of frustration with some of the things that were happening on the court and not so much from the, I can't believe that they're beating us, but like, I told you guys how to deal with this sort of thing. You need to do it. And they simply weren't. 
And if that's the case, if they're not paying that kind of attention to him, then yeah, I think it is time for him to be replaced by somebody else. I, for one, am kind of sad that it's going to happen because Philadelphia is a division rival of the Celtics, and I like it when the division rivals of the, my favorite teams are bad. See the last <laughs> 20 years of being a Patriots fan. So, you know, I, I am a little sorry to see him go, but I got to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. Like, they need to be able to bring in somebody who frankly, the players are going to pay attention to. And that seems to be a little bit of a problem at this point. And they still have that problem in construction that we talked about last week. Simmons and MB do not fit together. They are both interior scorers. Neither of them is capable of doing really much from the outside and really should not be asked to do so. If that's the case, then you would expect that they would have you know, taken measures to move one of them along. And they don't have a whole lot of time to do it because the window on this team is going to close pretty quick. Joel Embiid already looked like he was having some some uh, you know energy issues in this one, and he's just not built for you know the the level of competition, the, the the style of energy that they're able to play when you don't have to worry about outside shooting on the other end. So I guess we'll see. Uh, we did find out that yesterday that the NBA had did decide to the NBA and the players, I should say, did decide to resume a play. Uh, after player walkout on Wednesday night, after the shooting, as I mentioned previously, of uh, of Jacob Blake, uh, you know the there was a lot of concern that this season might end altogether. There were already some players who were unhappy with the idea of being in the bubble, um, rather than be then being able to take part in some of the protest activities uh, outside of the. Uh, outside of the bubble um you know Kyrie Irving famously was very much against the idea that they should that they should have any kind of a a uh, resumption of the NBA season preferring that they have some sort of just social justice thing now I think that's easier for him to say because frankly there wasn't a whole lot of chance that he was going to play owing to an injury that he had suffered earlier in the year um you know, for their part, the Celtics were, you know, had some uh, serious internal discussions as to whether or not they should continue. Uh, apparently, this was a situation that really came down to the voices, amongst others, of uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Brown, who is very much a, a, you know, a social activist, basically challenging the players and saying, look, do you really want to get out of this bubble just to go home? Or are you going to go and take part in these protests? And he felt like it was very important that if there was going to be a a cessation of the playoffs that it be done so with the idea that the players themselves would go out and be in those communities and partaking in uh in the political activities that, that are happening out there uh but it does look like the uh even though the game was canceled uh well before it started on friday it was supposed to be starting at, uh early uh, later that evening in prime time but they the cancellation notice came down on friday at twelve thirty-five p.m um, you know, it, it does look like the players have decided to continue. And this is a situation where there's some very interesting reporting been happening from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Um, apparently it went so far that several more, uh, several of the higher profile players in the league, including LeBron James, actually reached out to former President Barack Obama to get his input on, as to, you know, what he thought should happen. Um, mm. uh, apparently they did get some concessions from the owner uh as far as you know the the organizations that still have you know exist outside the bubble will will do some things um one of the things that uh we have heard is that the nba owners have allowed have basically 
made it so that their arenas will be available places, uh, available polling stations where that's possible. Uh, incidentally, I don't believe that Boston is going to be one of those, uh, mostly because that arena is actually owned by the Bruins and not by the Celtics, which I did not know until a few years ago. Hmm. But yeah, uh, they've basically uh, agreed to several, you know, fairly, you know, Im- uh, fairly difficult social justice initiatives. Um, they've basically voted to establish a uh, social justice coalition. coalition. Um, they've agreed to create and include advertising spots that will, you know, promote uh, social justice reform. Um, this is a situation where they really seem to have been taking things seriously. And I have to be honest with you, like, I, this is not anywhere near the worst possible, you know, uh, case for, for this happening. There was a, 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 a there was a period of time where it seemed pretty clear that the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one seed in the East, were simply not going to partake in the playoffs anymore, uh, in part because of what was happening in the state that the uh, you know that the the uh, team is headquartered in, you know what what was going on yep. there. So yeah, it's uh, it's been real interesting to see what happened. Now they are not, of course, the only league that shut down. We just talked about uh, the NHL shutting down. Um, there were several other leagues around that, that shut their stuff down, uh, which we will continue to talk about moving forward. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker had an amazing game for, as I mentioned previously, 32 points and has really been very, very good for a Boston Celtics team that was concerned that he was not going to be able to play for them for a lot of this uh, this postseason. Um, Kemba had suffered a knee injury earlier in the year and has basically been fighting all year with that injury. Um, you know, it, it looked like for the first, you know, particularly in the uh, the, the round-robin round, in the, the play-in round, they very much limited his minutes, um, you know, not necessarily keeping him out of games, but keeping him on a severe minutes restriction. I think he was only ever, ever allowed to cross the 30-minute line once in the entire early rounds. Since then, though, he's been very, very good for them. And I have to be honest with you, I was very concerned going into this postseason that Walker's health was going to be a, a big part of the problem. Um, you know, they basically lost Romeo Langford in the last game of that play-in round. Uh, he he is still with the team, but suffered ligament damage to uh, his dominant hand. That was going to be a real problem, uh, considering that their other backup point guard is Brad Wanamaker, who is, you know, he is a veteran, and I don't think that he is by any means a bad player, but they rely on Kemba Walker an awful lot to coordinate their offense, and it would have been a huge loss to do not have him out there. So I did want to mention that he has been playing exceptionally well. He basically dominated that fourth game of the series, which is tough for a guy of his size to do. You know, we forget Kemba Walker is not an exceptionally tall point guard. I think he's like six foot three which is tall in real life, but in, in, uh, in the NBA is incredibly small. Like not necessarily, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas small, but not too far off. So oh, shots fired. What the heck? Hey, look, I love Isaiah Thomas, but he was billed at five ten, And if he was, I think he was billed at five nine. And I think he was probably five seven. The fact that that guy was able to do as much as he did his height really, I think is underrated just how good he was in Boston. Really, I think that the thing that I am the most unhappy with with the modern era of the Celtics is 
basically the way that he was rewarded for his efforts because he has bounced around the league ever since then and been able to un, unable to find a team that will really you know a, a let him embrace his talents and i don't even know if those talents are still there owing to the nature of the injury that he'd suffered you know in that uh in that postseason Let's move on to the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox drop their third straight, uh, this time for the second time giving uh, in a row, giving up double-digit runs. They lose to the Washington Nationals by a final score of 10-2. to um, Boston had 11 strikeouts in this, uh, in this uh, game, unfortunately. Uh, Martin Perez, who had actually been a pretty good starter for the Red Sox coming into this series... Uh, had just an awful, awful game. He had a 3.45 ERA coming into the game. Uh, excuse me, in his first six starts, he had a 2.73 ERA over his past five starts. But in this game, he left six runs uh, go in um, basically just four innings. Just an absolutely terrible pitching performance, uh, unfortunately, for, for Perez. And, of course, then the bullpen came in to make it worse. Um what do you do with this team? I mean, do we just kind of hope that they burn it to the ground to throw a pitching skit? Like they're done for this season. Right? Oh yeah. There's no way they can come back. There's no trades to be made. I don't know if the trade deadline is gone or not. I mean, I could easily but... see them trying to be sellers, but if they're going to be sellers, it's not going to be for pitchers, right? Like they're definitely going to be selling uh, like in, like infield pieces. Yeah, they're the only players they have, basically. They are currently at the bottom of the AL East. They are yeah. currently they have slid now to four and a half games behind Baltimore, who is the second worst team in the league. They are ten games out of the wild card slot at this point, uh, with less than twenty games to play. So yeah, I, I, they have not been mathematically eliminated, but it's darn close. They have one of the worst records in baseball. Actually, as I look at it, they have the second worst record in baseball. Only the Pittsburgh Pirates are worse than them this season. The Nationals are not that good either this year. They're really not. I mean, losing ten to two to them says a lot against Max Scherzer. But Washington's at the bottom of its own division. They're currently at twelve and seventeen, so they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. No. I, 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 I don't know if it's just because of the weirdness of the season to begin with. I honestly just don't think the Red Sox have it. Like, it's just not in them this year. Like, they just don't have the passion for it, it seems. I mean, it's real hard to keep that passion up when you're dealing with a pitching staff as bad as theirs has been. Yeah. And their starters have not been fantastic, and, but their de- their bullpen is, like, how do you ever, ex- how do you, how would you ever expect that a league is, a lead is safe? But, like, uh, <sighs> And and just on top of it, like if we were talking about this at the normal start of the season, they'd have plenty of games to kind of fix their problems, right? But it's a, they would yeah, have plenty of games to find pitching. They would have plenty of games to fix their hitting situations. But they're they're what halfway done at this point? A little oh, bit more than that. Yeah, I think the I think the regular season ends at the end of next month, so they've got basically they got like a month know, left. a month of baseball left. Yeah. So, so normally, normally this is the point where people would be like, oh, these games don't matter, blah, blah, blah. They got plenty of time. Yeah, they don't have any of that. And I think at this point, it, they're, they're just going to limp away, basically. I, I think I, the I don't thing see that bothers you... me the most is I don't see a lot to build on for next year. No. Like they have a, a, a number of decent pieces. 
but everyone seems to have regressed this season. Yes, absolutely. There's nobody you can look at on this team and go, oh, the team is bad, but at least that person is improving. And Martinez might be uh, might be leaving, right? Doesn't he have an op-out or op-in? Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I don't think him leaving is the worst thing, in part because they just were paying him so much. Uh, but I gotta I just... honest, and I actually don't expect him to opt-out in part because, you know, I don't think there are a lot of other teams that are going to want to I don't think there are a lot of teams that are going to want to sign him for the kind of money that he thinks he's worth. I could definitely see a season where he opts in for the next season just to get the guaranteed paycheck and then goes looking the next season. I, I got to be honest with you. Like with this team, if they're going to cry poor, having JD Martinez's contract on their books is not the best thing for them. I, I, I don't think anybody's like, I would be, I'm really interested in the off season this year because considering the amount of money that places didn't make this year, uh, I don't think they're going to be slinging around those big contracts, especially right. with the unknown of whether the next season is going to start up, uh, you know, properly. Right, because we we may we still may not have a vaccine, by mm, then. right? Or you know, other things. I don't think vaccine is the only thing that will help us, but like, you know, it's just they might not be in the situation to have a normal season again. So with that case and with their their money just depleting. Um, I don't think we're going to see trout levels of money being thrown around for players. I, I think that's honestly, I, I thought it was surprising that Mookie Betts has been reportedly getting the offers that he's been getting from the Dodgers. I, I think that's the, um, I think that might be the last of it though. I, I, I kind of wonder if we'll ever see, uh, prices up that high in baseball in particular. Yeah. In any of the sports, really. I mean, Whatever their high is, like, I kind of feel like it's going to bottom out for a while. Like, we're going to hit a plateau of prices. And for baseball, I think it's going to come down a little bit because they were just getting kind of silly with the money. But for, like, football and the others, I think I think they're going to just hit a plateau where they just don't really go up or down. They might right. come down just because of the severe losses of this year. Um, but so it's going to be hard as a free agent or just being traded or anything like that. Um the, the kind of money you're going to be able to, to ask for, in my opinion. I, I might be completely wrong. Maybe they'll be able to make the same money. I don't think you are. I really money, don't. But... Like, baseball in particular has been suffering from a, 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 a demographic problem with its fans for a long time now. And, you know, let's face it. Like, every year that you – if you take a, a building block year out from under them, I think it makes it very difficult for them to be able to get back up on the horse as far as getting a fandom. I could easily see this sport going the way of, uh, of baseball – of uh, excuse me – uh, boxing or horse racing where it just it's that sport that old people like <laughs> and if that's the case like that's going to severely limit the amount of money that you have available to you yeah very very much good be interesting i will be very interested so the, the trade deadline is monday oh, it um, is monday which okay. man feels like it's super early but then they only really started playing in june so i guess that's not really a surprise <laughs> they only had 60 games yeah <laughs> Um, the Boston Herald has a pretty good breakdown of potential trade targets. Um, one of the, one of the most interesting ones that they bring up is actually JD Martinez, whether or not the Red Sox would be willing to trade him off to a contender if they could get, you know, out from under his, any chance that he would activate his opt-in clause. Obviously he hasn't very had a very good year this year, but they point out that the previous three years, he had an OPS over 900 every year so that, that he might be better on a better team. Because it does seem to me there's a lot of one, it's, two, three Cancun in this team right now, if you but know it, what I mean. But it's not a um, 
Red Sox only thing that they can't videotape their their bats at anymore, right? They're no, bats. no, that's a league wide. Yeah, thing. and I've never so, bought that to begin with. Like I know they're not happy with it, but I, like, I think with him it actually matters because I think he I think he he cared about it. Yeah. So I think without him being able to constantly tweak his game, not not, mm-hmm. not the others. Like I, I think they might be crutching that a little bit. But for him in particular, who always took that really serious, I think it might be affecting him. Even if it's just he's in a bad mental state now because he can't do it. So maybe he's overthinking everything when he gets up to bat. I mean, with this team, you have to expect that pretty much everyone's going to be available at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. And, and I would I... have to say, like, if I were the Red Sox and I was concerned about that luxury tax, because here's the other thing, too, right? That luxury tax is based on what teams are paying. It's not based on what teams are making. And if that's the case, like, and they don't want to be over that repeater tax, unless they make some kind of exception to it, I can see them basically having a farm sale to get as far down underneath that tax as they possibly can, especially if there's no chance they're going to be in contention until they fix their pitching problems. So, yeah, I could definitely see Martinez moving. Yeah. I kind of hope that he does, to be honest with you. Frankly, he deserves a better team than the one he's on right now. Yeah, yeah. And and unlike other years, I don't really feel like anybody's untouchable. Like I don't, I don't really care if this team stays together or not. Right. Unlike I, I think it was I two think years ago, I was like, don't I touch anything. Upset seeing leave either Bogarts or, or uh, Devers. If those two players left, I would be a little bit upset. But I mean, if they let make Mookie yeah. Betts go, anybody yeah. was fair. Game. I mean, and he was he was absolutely the one that they shouldn't have let go. Yes. No. I think we so, are. Yeah. I think we are one hundred percent in agreement on that. Last bit of uh, Red Sox news that I have for you is Nathan Eovaldi is theoretically going to set to start again. He was in theory supposed to start on Wednesday, but suffered a leg cramp. It's been pushed back to Sunday, which is the day after we record. So we'll see what's going on. Um, Eovaldi has been one of their better pitchers uh, so far this season, but unfortunately, uh, you know, was sidelined with an injury. Um I actually don't even remember what his injury was. He had a really bad start against the Yankees. I remember that one where he just absolutely lit up. Um, I don't know. I I have a hard time getting excited about a quality pitcher coming back just because it's it's basically pointless at this point. Define quality at this point. I mean, of, of, of the pitchers they have, he is by far one of their most reliable. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that they look to trade him. Only because I feel like somebody out there, like he's one of the few pieces that has actual value on their roster right now. Yeah, sure. Like, so we'll see. Let's move on to the New England Patriots. Now, obviously, unlike the other three leagues that we have been talking about, uh, the <clears throat> the NFL is not currently in the middle of its season. Uh, nine teams elected not to practice in the event of the Jacob Blake's shooting. Uh, the Patriots were not one of them. Um, which caused a little bit of uh, friction within their locker room. But so far, really, we haven't seen a whole lot of fallout from that. Um, for his part, Belichick was very positive when talking about the, you know, the, the social uh, activities of his players, the, you know, particularly the political activities of his players. Um, several players came out and, and you know, uh, spoke to the media following the, uh, the shooting of Jacob Blake, 
Uh, Cam Newton, obviously, being probably the most uh, pro- high profile of one of them. Uh, Stephan Gilmore uh, came out and, and spoke about that. Uh, Devin McCourty and James White basically talked about that in their various pre- press conferences, but they, they did elect to continue to practice. Um, you know, McCourt, Devin McCourty in particular was extremely unhappy about it. And, uh, you know, he actually has been a the a nominee of theirs for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award multiple times because of his work in the local community. So I know that, you know, it was important to him that, that the players be allowed to be very politically active. And, you know, I do, th- I do think that uh, it's been... I will say this about Belichick, which is that I don't know if that's something that he is necessarily down for, but I think that he understands that, you know, it is the smart thing to allow themselves to express these things. Um, even though I know he generally doesn't like talk, like it when players talk to the media, I also don't feel like he really has a problem talking to the media when it's not about, you know, bulletin board material. So I think that his support is uh, is important in these times. And frankly, kind of, you know, if, if you ask most other fans around the league what coach would be really annoyed at his players stepping up and talking about the Jacob Blake shooting, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of fans sort of thought that Belichick would be 100% against it. Like, yeah, I think he has a much worse reputation than is warranted about, you know, allowing his, his players to be politically active. Well, he, he doesn't allow them to talk, period. Yeah, but I, you know, in a large part, I think that he doesn't like them to talk about like, I, I think if of all of the things that they are going to talk about, this is like real far down the list of things that annoy him, in part because there's nothing football related here. They're not going to, you know, give somebody bullet more material or accidentally disclose some plan or, you know, make fun of somebody that they shouldn't. This is a situation where they're having a very frank and serious discussion about social justice. And if that's the case, I think he's pretty much OK with that. Like, there's nothing that's going to affect the team as a whole that's going to come out of these interviews. And I think that's the thing that he worries about more than anything else. And frankly, every other team in the league is dealing with the same, you know, the same thing at the same time. You know, I, I won't call it a distraction, but from his point of view, you know, maybe it is. But at the same time, like, it's not just affecting his team. So I think he's less concerned about it. It hasn't cut into practice time. You know, they did elect to practice uh, Thursday and Friday. And so I think that he's okay with his players being vocal if that's what it takes it takes for them to be you know to to be happier uh we did get a return of sony michelle to practice on friday uh he had been active from the pup list the physical physically unable to perform uh list uh earlier this week he had been there since the start of camp but had not been uh, taking part in full-on practices, uh, but this Friday he uh, came back and he looked to be pretty good. Uh, according to uh, reports in the Boston Herald, he seems to have even lost a little bit of weight. Um, you know, obviously Michelle is going to be an, an interesting situation considering that they went out and brought in another running back last week. We talked about that, so you know he's got he's got a little bit of a little bit of competition i would be you know not surprised to find out that he finds uh that there the seat's a little bit hotter underneath him um because of of the signings that they made last bit of patriots news that i have for you today is that nick folk is likely to return to the pats uh the patriots had drafted justin warwasser in the fifth round 
but Rowasser has been pretty bad in camp, uh, unfortunately. Um, he has been considerably less accurate than I think that they wanted him to be. Folk is somebody that they were able to get a you know a, a fair amount of performance out of uh, last season in place of the injured uh, Stephen Guskowski. So bringing him back seems to make a fair amount of sense. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with this. I mean, I thought that drafting Roar Wasser was a good idea. I know that they're not sold on bringing Gostowski back because of the money that he purportedly wants. So bringing in Nick Folk, I think, you know, at least gives them somebody who is capable of, of working out for them. The thing that I'm concerned with Folk is his injury history. He missed three games during the middle of the season last year where mm-hmm. they really could have used him. Um, after going out with a, with an injury. That's my same. Now, it does look like it's going to be more difficult for them to get him into camp because they do. he does need to go through a process to be able to join them inside that, that, that camp. Uh, but, you know, I, I, think that it's, uh, I think it's a good choice for them if they don't think that Rohrwasser is going to be ready by the beginning of the season. I will say it also wouldn't terribly surprise me to find out that they carry – two kickers on the roster considering I believe the rosters are actually expanded because of the measures that the NFL is taking to fight COVID. Oh, because, okay. um, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me to find out that they carry somebody on the roster just so that they won't have to go through whatever process they would normally need to go through. All right, let's move on to some national news. So as previously mentioned, it was not just the NHL and the NBA who shut down uh, seasons for uh, you know political purposes following the shooting of Jacob Blake. The MLS and WNBA also closed down their seasons. Uh, MLS actually post- postponed five games in protest of, uh, of what ended up happening. Uh, players from Inter-Miami and Atlanta United actually stood at midfield prior to their start time, um, basically then walking out. Uh, they basically opted not to play in protest of the shooting. Uh, the Seattle Sounders, apparently the uh, had a, a team meeting with. So this is an odd situation for the MLS, mostly because the MLS really has not had to deal with a high level of player-coordinated action, which I thought this was particularly interesting in their case. Their, their league is essentially structured to have their players be sort of the weakest of the, of the you know, major professional sports leagues, and I, I will include them basically out of courtesy. Um, I'm wondering if there's not going to be some level of fallout from this. If, if there is, this doesn't spark a greater sort of feeling of um, uh, com- camaraderie, I guess, uh, between these individual players. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's real interesting. Uh, you know, th- there's been a lot of friction between the players in the league since that Wednesday evening game. Apparently the league says that it elected to stop playing, but several of the players have been very clear that the league wanted them to continue as normal. And it was basically a coordinated player action that, that prevented them from going further. And if that's the case, I'm wondering if that might not have longer term consequences for MLS than we might otherwise expect. I, mean, why... I kind of hope it does, man. It can't hurt. It can't help, but improve the, the, the league. Why would, still they, pretty bad. why would they care so much about it being their action or the players like from from the uh, from the league's point of view? From the league's point of view, I mean, MLS, if you are looking to be a prospective MLS owner, 
the MLS is by far the one of the most powerful leagues compared to its players uh, in the United States. It, you know, they don't even really have a full-on players union there. It, you know, they they generally pay their lower-level players. I think maybe fifty thousand a year, like they very very little compared to the other major professional sports. I think the, in, there are some AHL players who make considerably. I think the average AHL player actually makes more than the average MLS player. So I do think that there is a desire within the front office of, of MLS to appear in control at a time when they are probably not in control, and in part I think that's because they harbor hopes of continuing to expand. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. This seems weird. Last bit of news that I have for you is that Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, uh, is con- uh, continues to be awful. Um, we've sort of dunked on him before in several circumstances. Uh, the thing that still kills me is that he, there have been no sort of repercussions for the 2008 revelation that several of his players were functionally being coerced into uh, being escorts for people uh, when during an overseas trip. This is another similar situation. Uh, there was a, a, a article in the Washington Post this week outlining uh, several instances of sexual harassment and uh, in some cases sexual assault that were levied at the organization. Um, Dan Snyder himself was implicated with the uh, a, wanting a lewd video commissioned of the, uh, uh, the behind the scenes of a cheerleader calendar shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I highly recommend that if you have the opportunity to read the story that you do so, because man, it is wild. Some of the accusations that are, that are outlined in this, um, Snyder for his part, uh, unequivocally, unequivocally states that none of this stuff ever happens, but I gotta be honest with you. Like at this point, he's one of these, we don't believe you. We need, you need more people guys. Um, he just, you know, this is a situation where this is a pretty well-documented situation. The Washington organization, it turns out, has one human resource employee, or at least had it during 2017 when this uh, with this incident was allegedly supposed to have taken place. Apparently, 25 different women have uh, come forward to the Washington Post uh, about experiencing sexual harassment while working for the team. I mean, this is just... This is a real, real uh, bad look for a Washington team that is... Look, all you really need to know about Washington is that the NFL is one of the most popular sports in the world, is pretty much guaranteed to fill up every any uh, arena that it takes part in, and they've had to repeatedly cover seats because they can't get enough people to actually pay attention to the team. Like, they are probably the worst organization in in, in professional why, sports at this point. Why haven't they picked a name yet? I Because I honestly believe that they never intended to get rid of it in the first place and basically got told that if they didn't, that their minority owners were going to basically sue them and take the team, team, take the team away from them entirely. So this is a weird sort of in situation where Dan Snyder owns the majority of the of the stock in the team and is therefore listed as the owner and able to, you know, to dictate most of the things that he wants to do. But there are, you know, there are minor shareholder rights that are generally recognized in the United States. And one of those things is like, if you are, if you are, are shown to be deliberately devaluing the brand, your shop, your shareholders are allowed to go after you. 
And I think they ended up in a situation where one of their lawyers went, look, there's a serious chance that this could come back and bite us. We really need to change the name. And since they couldn't go forward and since they had done no work to actually look to change the name, they just changed it to the Washington football team as a stopgap. Which is not a name and it's horrible that we have to yes. say it that uh, way look, every freaking time. This is an incompetent organization. I, I don't know what else to tell you about this. Like this, just, this is exactly the kind of competence, incompetence that I've uh, as come to expect from that. Pick from an animal and put red in front of it. It's not that hard. I'm dead serious. Like just pick no, an animal, well, put red in front right. of it, Washington, red, whatever the heck. They could be the Washington red-tailed hawks and it would be fine. They wouldn't even have to change the color scheme. Right. That's why I say you go with you go with red. Could be the red bears. Could be the red lions. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. the lions would love that. And and if they had done any actual work ahead of time indicating, you know, as to changing the name, I think they would have had something ready to go. But because Dan Snyder didn't want to change the name and basically was forced to – they just basically changed it to nothing and they're probably going to you know, have a year-long search for a name and they'll come out with something really awful in 2021. Red Chupacabras. Cobras. The Red Chupacabras. The Red Chupacabras. The Red Nessies. They could be owls. You know, they could be any one. Seriously, owls. you're right. Pick an animal, put, an, put, a, yeah, put the no. red in front of it, and you're good to go. You're good to go. Red Wolves would have been a good one. True. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a bad one. Anyway, uh, the, the fact that this man has continued to allow to own a team still just boggles my mind. But, you know, taking a, a team away from an owner is a difficult thing to do. It's only basically happened once. Well, in the NFL, it's only happened once. Obviously, in the NBA, I think it's happened a couple of times. But yeah, I was going to say that was basically a situation where <clears throat> that was uh, oh god, what's well, the guy who used to own the Panthers turned out to be so incredibly racist that almost nobody would wanted to play, wanted to play for the team, and that's really what ended up getting him. I don't know if there are going to be any you know league repercussions for this. I just don't think the NFL has the appetite for it right now. I don't, I don't, anyway, uh, that I, I'm sorry. Did you? Well, I was just going to say I, I don't think they have the uh, uh, the the um, oh, now I'm spacing the word I wanted to use. They, they don't have the desire. Yeah, I mean it's they don't really seem to want to take action against an owner for for anything. I mean even um, even Patriots owner there didn't get anything when all that stuff was happening to him about the Florida stuff. Yeah, I mean I think that might be a situation and, where. You know, uh, obviously they'd gone after Kraft for a number of different things, and then Kraft at the same time was litigating that whether or not the last, the, you know, the arrest should have happened in the first place. Conduct on becoming is a, is a hard thing to prove to do if it turns out that your guy had his civil rights violated, which might be part of the reason that never happened there. But Poss- I think you're right. Possibly, I, mean, I think there but... is, you know, there's a lot less, there's a lot less impetus to want to go after a, uh, you know, an owner personally in the NFL than, than maybe there should be in some cases. Especially when they have all the power. I mean, yeah, it just seems, and it looks bad for him to just not do anything to, to not even give him a fine or something like that for just making the league look bad. I mean, isn't that supposed to be a thing that he can do? Yeah. I mean, like I said, there is a conduct on becoming clause. Yeah, That's basically so, how they, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy, the name of the, the uh, Panthers owner that ended up having his team, um, 
taken away from him. Uh, you may remember this because he was he was the one who insisted that the statue of him stay out in front of the um, oh, know, in front of the stadium. Yeah, Jerry Richardson. That's the guy who I was thinking of. Uh, was you know, and that was a situation where the, like his stuff was so bad, he was gone in like, like I want to say it took the whole thing from the revelation to him being forced to sell the team to David Tepper took a grand total of like three weeks. Like when it happens, it tends to happen fast. But I, I mean that I hate to say it this way, but like because it's because it's sexual um, charges, um, they don't seem to be taken as seriously as as racial and i i don't know why and it's it seems like i'm playing the uh gender card so to speak but it it really does seem that way i mean like all the violence against women that players do doesn't seem to get like an eyelash batted at that much i mean i don't think you're wrong so like i kind of feel like it's a part of that too that because it's in that camp of stuff being accused um that that's why like he won't because they they seem to fail to take action a lot of times before on similar things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do yeah. think that part of this from the NFL point of view is that there's a lot less implication that this will affect their bottom line than there would be for something like the Jerry Richardson thing, because that's I mean, a situation yeah. that could have turned ugly real fast with, you know, the other half of the business in the players. And that's just not the case in this particular case with Dan Snyder, who is just the worst. I kind of wonder if, if even if they got a team together with the uh, the old owner of the Panthers, let's say, you know, so a lot of people just opt out, quit, whatever. Mm-hmm. They have a team. Would other teams refuse to play them? Oh, God, no. No, there's too much money for them to refuse altogether. All right, well, there goes all the uh, credit that I was going to yep. give players. All right, Man, money rules all. Just throw a bunch of money at a Goodell and give him a private island for a couple of weeks and I'm sure he'll, he won't care how many uh, cheerleaders that you've uh, sexually assaulted. That'd be fun. Yeah. Great. Anyway, on that, uh, on that lovely note, uh, that'll <laughs> do it for this week. You can follow the show online at our website, unqualifiednetworks.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at unqualified net. You can follow me on Twitter at nsnitko. That is N S N I T K O. You can follow Forrest on Twitter at Forrest James. If you have a story that you'd like to share with the show or you'd just like to provide us with some feedback, feel free to drop us a line at unqualifiednetworks at gmail.com. And we'll see you again soon.